Welcome to the MMA Formula Podcast. Here's your host, Grindemir. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. This is episode four, and this is our drum roll, please. The 2020 edition of the MMA Formula Awards show. So this is kind of the time when everybody does these award shows, and, and usually they're pretty boring and uh, pretty predictable. So I wanted to do something fun uh, that is a little bit in contrast with that kind of thing and maybe have a few categories that are not that obvious or not that commonly used in the award shows. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that and, and just give you guys my opinion on some of the things that I find stupid or silly and, and that are actually also uh, pretty cool when it comes to some other stuff. So let's get right to it. So... This is the first award, and that is the Stupid Move of the Year Award. And I'm going to give that one to Ahmad Al-Darmaki, because he got disqualified after he submitted his opponent, and then he attacks the ref, Mark Goddard. Now, um, this happened earlier in the year, I think it was this summer, and, and Al-Darmaki, he's, I mean, he's submitting his opponent, he's doing fine, he has the guy in a rear naked choke and 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 the the other guy what is his name Bogdan Kirilenko, uh, his opponent taps clearly and Goddard just you know comes in and and tries to get him off and because uh, Aldar Maki is not really not really letting go at all he's not respecting the tap so um, he clearly I mean Goddard is yanking at, on his arm to get him off and the guy still refuses to let go and then. Some people have said that well, Goddard was a little bit too aggressive in the way that he got him off. I'm like, yeah, sure, you can, you can, you can claim that. It's not invalid. But here's the thing: you're supposed to respect the ref. The ref's there to make sure that people don't get too injured or or even die. So, as a fighter, that's like the bare minimum. You listen to the ref. You can you can get all excited about this kind of stuff uh, when it comes to bad referee calls and all that kind of, and and the other things, but the point is that he's there for a reason. It, it's a fight, sure, but it's a combat sport with the emphasis on sport. It's not a street fight. There are still rules. So if you can't accept that, you're a dick, you're an asshole. And uh, really don't enjoy the guy fighters who get all overly worked up like uh, Aldar Maki did here. I mean, we saw that Goddard pushed him away uh, from from his opponent, got him off of him to and, and got him to release that rear naked choke. And then Aldar Maki gets in, in uh, Gollard's face, just shoving him repeatedly, being all aggressive, and, and just basically then kind of stiff-arming him backwards. And you should see the image, and I'll, uh, I'll put a link in the show notes. If you go to uh, mmaformula.com forward slash four, number four, uh, I'll put some links to the videos of everything that I'm talking about. And you can see it that at a certain point, he's just, you know, with his left arm driving, driving Gollard back, Goddard's letting that happen, by the way. I mean, uh, Goddard is kind of like twice the size of Aldermarki, so uh, it's not that he's unable to defend himself. He's a big, strong guy. But, you know, as a ref, <laughs> when you start punching one of the fighters, that's basically frowned upon as well. But you can clearly see that he's not having none of it and giving Aldermarki a piece of his mind. And that guy is just, I mean, insisting on, on being a dick and walks away, gets all, gets all of, you know... Um, pumping his chest, climbing on top of the cage, blah, 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 and so on. Here's the thing, guys. I mean, as I said before, this is combat sports. 
I've been doing combat sports for about 35 years now and one of the key issues is that always we had to fight against the preconceived notions that martial artists and combat sport athletes are nothing but a bunch of thugs and this kind of bullshit from Maldar Maki is, is is exactly what I'm talking about that they give everybody else a bad name by acting like that and and I'm I had to choose one of them because there was there's been a bunch of guys this year who've done similar stuff but this was so blatant and so stupid is that that it just it annoys the crap out of me when these guys act like that because once again this is what's going to make the rounds when when you watch anything as a casual fan when it comes to MMA you might know the name of guys like uh, Conor McGregor or John Jones but you're not really following the sport well, this kind of thing is going to come on your radar because it's going to go viral and then everybody's going to talk about it. And then it's once again these uh, these accusations of uh, combat sport athletes just being a bunch of thugs. And if you say, well, I you know I do MMA, it's actually quite cool. I enjoy that. It's great, great for getting in shape and I'm learning you know, to handle myself. And then the image of Aldermaki pushing Goddard away and acting like a dick, that's what people then get in their minds. So... He's a well, well, well-deserved winner of this year's Stupid Move of the Year award. Congratulations, dude. You earned that one. And moving on to the next one, and this is a little bit more positive, and that's the awesome move of the year. And for 2020, I had a fair amount of awesome moves to, uh, to choose from. And I'm going to pick the knockout that Cody Garbrandt in, inflicted upon Asensal. Um for a variety of reasons. I, I did a breakdown of that for my YouTube channel and, and I'll put a link in the show notes. What was so awesome about it is that it's a high risk, high reward move. And he pulled it off just perfectly. And I love it when those kind of things happen. It's um, a lot of guys, for instance, back in the day, and, and this is this is all, this is what, like 10, 15 years ago, um, when, when Georges St-Pierre started, you know, becoming prominent a lot of people criticized him because he played it safe he hit behind his jab is what they were saying and so on and he was kind of racking up the points but not necessarily trying to knock somebody out he just fought like a smart fighter and a lot of people were upset with him about that and saying that he was ruining the sport i disagree with that completely um if you're if you're there in the octagon you have every right to fight the fight the way that you want to fight as long as it's within the rules and if your opponent cannot handle that then that's his problem you know he he has to find a way to uh, to beat you and if he can't well then that's his problem as long as you guys adhere to the rules pick whatever strategy you like now obviously again the casual fans and the big public wants to see knockouts and, and that's fine but that doesn't mean that you have to put yourself at risk uh, more than you necessarily need to. Now, all that said, what Cody Garbrandt did was the opposite. That was a high-risk, high-reward high move. And it could have gone really badly. And <laughs> sorry to say it, Cody, but I mean, you've been knocked out several times now uh, in a row in, in your fights uh, where you took risks that were not all that well-advised. So uh, it was nice to see him just come back with this beautiful knockout on Asensal. And a cool part about it is that, again, watch the breakdown for that, but you can see that after um, Asensal does his jump kick and, and Cody just gives him that look of that leaning over to the right and, and kind of like um, 
that rotationary split squat move that he kind of does looks like he's a little bit ducking but then he stands up again and just watches uh looks looks as inside dead in dead in Asunsal, dead in the eye with his arms down it's like you know bring it bro <laughs> which Asunsal does and then he gets knocked out by the same move with Cody just dipping over to his right and then just swiveling into that right hand with incredible power and precision. And I mean, Asunsal just out. The, the guy had no chance. And the, the sheer ferocity of that right hand that Cody threw was what I think was so awesome. It was a risky move. It was perfectly planned, perfectly executed, and, and it got the result he wanted. So for that, Mr. Garbrandt, you have my respect and I wish you well with your awesome Move of the Year award. Now moving on to the third one, and that one is the opposite again. This is the Dick Move of the Year award and that questionable honor goes to Sean West when he was fighting Boston Salmon. Again, you'll, you'll find the link in the, in the show notes, but what was going on was just... Um, a little bit of a fight going on and all of a sudden both fighters just land this right hand right at the same time just pretty much they start swinging and they both hit each other perfectly uh, in the face and you can see that they're both stunned i mean <laughs> pretty clear now solomon drops down to both knees and he's he's gotten the worst of it and then you can see that at the same time um Sean West moves over all the way to his right and, and he's stumbling. So they're kind of breaking away from each other. But then West finds nothing better to do than just start running at Salmon. I mean, just sprinting at the guy as the guy is clearly still on one knee. Clearly, there's, there's, there's no um, doubt about that. He's still a downed opponent. And then West just knees him full in the face. I mean, the only thing worse that he could have done was soccer kick him in the face. But Salma was just, I mean, the guy was out. He's just crumbled on the mat and totally out. He was uh, banged up pretty bloody. The reason why I think that's the dick move of the year is that you could say, well, yeah, he was, uh, he, he just received that right hand and he was groggy and so on. Sure, that counts for both guys. But there was only one guy who went out of his way to break the rules and and not by accident but clearly intending to to break the rules in in gruesome manner just i mean he's west was just sprinting over to solomon i mean just 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 flashing through the octagon and and picking up speed and then he nails him with that 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 knee as he's running at solomon and it's just dude that's that's a total dick move don't do that kind of stuff. And and same reason as before um, when I talked about Aldarmaki. This gives such a poor name to the sport. I mean, guys, it's not that difficult. And, and I competed, so all the bullshit excuses about, yeah, but in the heat of the moment, bullshit. You're an asshole if you fight like that. You're just looking at an ex for an excuse to beat people up in a legal fashion. Um, everybody around you the most consummate professionals manage to fight within the rule sets that that are given, whether it's Bellator, whether it's uh, UFC, uh, one, it, it doesn't matter. Everybody is able to stick to the rules for the vast majority of the fighters, like 99.9% .9 and so on. But there's this minute fraction that just can't help themselves and just be total dicks about it and, and, and purposefully 
um, injure your opponent. I mean, uh, Osmar Pallares was one of those guys who would lock you into uh, into a leg lock or something else, and he'd just keep on cranking after you tapped, clearly tapped out, and uh, and the ref intervened, and he'd just keep on cranking it, trying to basically cripple you. So in that regard, Sean West did something similar. Dude, I mean, you should be ashamed of yourself. Stole dick move, and don't do it again. But you get the award this year, so there's that. Right, so we've got three more, well, four more categories, and I'm going to go over to the next one, and that is uh, my all-time favorite, and that is the This Heavyweight Doesn't Suck Award for 2020. I'm going to give it to Cyril Gan, and primarily for his fight against Junior Dos Santos. Now, I've already done a breakdown about that on my YouTube channel, and I'm going to do a little bit more. I wanted to do it last week, but I didn't have the time to, for a variety of reasons uh, to break down the, the first two rounds and just how exactly Gan is using his striking to dominate Dos Santos and what's so amazing about it. Now, a lot of people get upset when I say that, and, and I'm going to say it anyway, but the point is this. When you look at, for instance, the UFC heavyweights, I mean... There's not that much to be to be all that excited about when it comes to technical striking. That's my point. Um, I'm not saying these are bad fighters. What I'm saying is, technically speaking, not impressed. Uh, Stipe, I love the guy, but I mean, he's not the best striker out there. Uh, the, I'm just going over the top 10 uh, rankings here in the UFC, which we know is a little bit of bullshit, but let's see who's there, right? So Stipe... You think his striking is better than Gans? Number one contender is Francis Ngannou, who is a, an incredible physical specimen and an athlete, but his striking, even though it has improved, is by it's not like technical expert level, not by far. And number two is Curtis Blades. Again, love the guy, but we can hardly say that he's a pure technician. Number three is Jarzinzo Rosenstruck. Same thing, Rosenstruck, I mean... Nice guy, but but very powerful guy. He's not a bad striker, but purely technical. I mean, not by far, by far. So, in if if that's the top four contenders, and and I can go all the way down the list, um, there's not that many really good strikers in the heavyweight divisions, in the heavyweight division, and there there hardly ever has been. And this again, this this pisses off a bunch of people, and uh, you know, I feel real all kinds of bad about that. If that's you, but you have to look at other sports to compare it to. And when you look at uh, what happened in Muay Thai, what happened in K1, what happened in um, in Glory, and and uh, you look at the guys guys that fight there at the in the heavyweight division you'll see that there's a level of technical expertise that is so much higher than what we're used to seeing in the heavyweight category in the UFC and, and in, in Bellator and, and the rest and the other organizations just as well. Um, we kind of accept that. And I find that such a shame because there's no reason to accept that. We kind of accept that at the lower weight classes, you see more technical striking. And for whatever god-awful reason, people just accept that, well, heavyweights, that, that's fine if they can't really strike well because with just one punch, they can end the fight anyway. So who cares, right, if you just see knockouts? Well, I understand that to a certain degree, 
but as a heavyweight myself i don't see the point in in being you know content with just having average or poor striking uh, techniques why not try to be better and the, the the whole nonsense about yeah but it's you know all the muscle mass and the weight and this and that that's nonsense have you guys watched i mean like uh, professional boxers heavyweight division uh, tell me that that some of the all-time greats of the the last 20 30 years were poor technicians I mean, look at somebody like Mike Tyson. Even now, in his 50s, he's still got really good boxing technique. Uh, much, much, much more than than any of all the heavyweights we see in the UFC. So that's kind of my point. This is It shouldn't be this exceptional that it takes a guy like Cyril Gant to come into the UFC and, and fight Dos Santos and just put on a striking exhibition. Because he was moving freely, moving well, fluidly, he would pick his spots. He'd use his uh, both the half hip and the full hip uh, in his round kicks. He'd uh, vary his targets. He would do basically um, I call it target interdiction, which is basically telling, uh, determining that Dos Santos was not allowed to step closer into a certain zone at a certain distance. Because Gan would just fire off the 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 high kick, for instance, just to put. Dos Santos on his toes and shown that I don't care if you block it or not you're not just simply stepping forward into the range you want to be because you want to strike with your hands I'm keeping you at kicking range which he did exceptionally well now this takes a lot of skill and, and, and a lot of experience to do in a high quality in, in a high level fight sorry um, against a guy like Junior Dos Santos who is still one of the guys who had a fairly impressive resume when it comes to uh, the UFC and heavyweight fighting. Um, so doing that against the beginner is one thing, but at that level, it's still it's still pretty impressive. And yes, sure, Junior has, I mean, his chin, uh, his chin, sorry, it looks like it's gone. So um, sad to see, but we gotta, we have to face facts. Guy's gone down a fair number of times. Um, but, but that doesn't matter. It, it's the guy still has plenty of experience and gone basically shut him down. And we can argue about, you know, the elbow being legal or not. doesn't matter. The point is that he was losing that fight. Dos Santos was clearly losing that fight, that fight because he was being outstruck by Gan. And it wasn't even, it wasn't even close. Now, when you rewatch that fight, if you, if you can, um, which one of the current UFC top five would you say is a better striker than Gan? If you're really honest about it. And that's my point is that that too many heavyweights just suck at striking compared to how good they could be and compared to other combat sports. So, Sergan, felicitations, mon mec. So, uh, he is uh, is my pick for this heavyweight. Doesn't suck for this year and it's well-deserved. Looking forward to many more of his fights. All right. And then we have a new category and that one is called the I Told You So Award for 2020. I've been practicing martial arts for a very long time and, I've, and I remember the early UFC days. I remember how uh, so many people looked down on, on other martial arts that weren't uh, in, in, in the MMA umbrella, if you will, the more traditional stuff, uh, because, yeah, you guys can't fight, blah, 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 this and that. And I was like, well, I don't see the need to uh, create that kind of division. If you can fight, you can fight. I don't care what kind of style you do. There's a lot of guys out there practicing traditional martial arts that are deluding themselves that they know how to fight for sure 
but just painting with that big brush again uh, i think that's stupid no, it annoys me just like what i said before if if uh, like the vast majority of mma uh, practitioners and competitors can perfectly well stick to the rules it's the, that fraction of a percent of assholes who break the rules and, and do these horrible fouls that that make the people look at us as if we're a bunch of thugs and 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 barbarians if you will well the same thing applies if you look at people who who can really defend themselves with their traditional martial arts um, especially when those are never they were never meant to be used in an octagon and, and long long story i'm not going to bore you with that there's a big argument to be made here but my point is that um i've said this for years on end now is that as the ufc and mma in in general evolves which it's still doing it's still a very young sport um as it evolves as the fighters now start with MMA, which which is we're now at the first generation of fighters who began with MMA. They didn't come from boxing. They didn't come from uh, Muay Thai. They came from an MMA gym where that's what everybody's doing. Um, what you'll see is that the level goes up. There's hardly anybody who doesn't know how to do, to have a good ground game when they start competing. Uh, it happens occasionally, but the vast majority of the guys out there. They know striking, they know defense, they know the ground, and they know clinching, and so on. So the, the, the overall quality of the fights goes up. The technical level rises. Now, one of the things you see more and more is that they have to go somewhere <laughs> to find their inspiration. And what do you know? They do so with traditional martial arts. Because that's where you see a lot of guys now looking for inspiration or instinctively discovering that there's a whole world out there that is not covered in the typical mma dogma if you will in the typical mma paradigm that everybody's got their head wrapped around that and and there's nothing else outside of that which is nonsense people have been fighting for thousands of years so there's a lot of stuff still going there going on that that mma will discover and i remember back in the time that's a while ago um when john jones started doing his oblique kicks and his low side kicks i was like we've been doing that for 30 years <laughs> what do you guys mean this is new it's not because because in the ufc they suddenly start doing that that the oblique kick was invented by john jones that's <laughs> just total nonsense uh same thing for the low side kick same thing for a few other things and one of the things i said i told you so is that we will find the transitionary ranges that are still neglected in modern MMA, that they become more used now by fighters. One of them is a transition from lying on the ground to getting back on your feet. People see that, as, see that usually too much as either or, whereas you can still fight sitting down, kneeling down, and half kneeling. Now, one of the first glimpses you got of that was when Ronda Rousey fought Holly Holm. At a certain point, they're on the ground, and as they get up, Holly strikes as she is in a half-kneeling position, which is very much traditional martial arts. <laughs> so when I, saw that, I thought that, yes, this is finally happening. People are, are, are discovering that you don't have to be standing up to strike. You can strike from a seated kneeling or half-kneeling position. That doesn't mean you want to stay there. That doesn't mean that that is the best option. 
What it does mean is that if there's an opportunity for you to strike from that position, you should know how to do that instead of having only one choice, which is getting all the way back up or going all the way back down because you don't know how to strike from there. And for that reason, I'm giving my I told you so award to Kevin Holland, who just recently knocked out Jackery. And, and you listen to the commentary on that fight. They get like, oh, you know, he was lying down and he's just hitting. Oh, he's so creative and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, guys, this is old as dirt, these kind of striking techniques. But back in the day, 25 years ago, ago, you guys were laughing at the people doing that. You, you said it was traditional nonsense. Now, once again, listen carefully. I am not saying that those traditional guys would be awesome in the UFC. I'm not saying all of them know how to fight. I'm saying some of them do. A whole bunch of them don't. That's not the point. The point is that you see in modern MMA, a lot of going back to the old traditional styles for inspiration, for new techniques to try out, for new ideas. And at the same time, a lot of rediscovering really old techniques because everybody's trying to get an edge in the, in the octagon. So they're trying out different stuff. Nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. I just enjoy the fact that I can say, I told you so. And in this case, uh, Kevin Holland is the guy who, uh, with, his, with his beautiful striking, when you watch that fight, I mean, um, he hit Chakra before he uh, got the knockout. But um, the way he strikes there, again, first from lying on his back and then transitioning into basically from a seated to a half kneeling to a standing position, he keeps on striking. He doesn't go for a clinch or, or any other grappling. He goes for striking. And that's the point, is that you can do it. There's been many other fights as well where the guy on the bottom knocked out uh, his opponent who was uh, either in his guard or, or in standing position. And it's that transition then towards uh, getting back on your feet to keep on striking. Again, you don't have to do it. It's the fact that it's possible. So people talk about the meta game uh, of MMA right now, which is kind of like, okay, what, what is kind of the consensus? Uh, my point is that that consensus is a bunch of nonsense. Uh, you can do whatever you like in the octagon. You just have to make it work. Now, if that means traditional stuff, fine. If that means more sticking close to what is now the meta of uh, MMA, that's also fine. But just this, discarding everything because you don't know how to do it or you don't understand why and when it works and when it doesn't work, I find that so boring. That's just so boring and stupid. So I told you guys, told you so. Congrats to Kevin Holland. All right. The next to last category is this time you missed the chance to not speak award. This is an expression we have here in my country, which is when you, somebody says something stupid, you can you miss the chance to shut up. You miss the chance to stay quiet. You miss the chance to not speak. I'm going to give that one to Mike Perry. Now, I, I like Mike. He's a fun guy, but I mean, he is so all over the place. And he said so much crazy stuff that um, it was hard to pick, but he deserved this award. Mike, you missed the chance to speak when you said about your training. Uh, whatever the training camp was, I forget which for which fight, fight it was, but he said, I watched a lot of episodes of Naruto. I watched the whole three seasons of the Avatar, the Airbender. That was good for mental training. I walked around Universal Studios and the Islands of Adventure. <laughs> I'm like, Mike, what are you saying? That's, that's just complete and utter nonsense. Yeah, watching Naruto and Avatar, that's a lot of fun, but that has zero to do with mental training. And 
A lot of people will say that, yeah, but you know, he's probably kidding. I kind of doubt that. The guy uh, says so much crazy stuff that it's just like, dude, Mike, come on, Mike, like get a grip. I mean, you can, you can have fun, and, and and it's always great when there's some entertainment. But <laughs> I mean, don't forget, Mike, that all these kind of things that you're saying here, they're forever. The internet doesn't go away. So um, let's let's uh, maybe next time, I don't know, have a spokesperson speak for you or get some uh get some training in how to handle the media uh but love you dude so moving on and and this this time we get to the last one and this is the only serious award that i'm going to give this year um because it's well deserved and at the same time uh i think this is pretty much one of the few uh few awards that i would love uh if i were a fighter that's one of the few awards that I would say, like, okay, I'm, I'd take that one. I'd love, I'd like to get it, and it's best fight of the year. We had a bunch of them. It was really hard to pick, but I'm going to pick Wei Zhang versus Joanna Jacek at UFC 248 uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, first off, remember, guys, uh, Dana White didn't want women in the in the UFC. It took Ronda Rousey to basically create it, and 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 that's not a long time ago. This is not you know 20 years ago this is recent history now in that time we've seen a bunch of ladies get into the sport and show just as much heart just as much technique just as much grit as all the guys put together and and really versus joanna this is basically the fight in which i think this culminates uh, they went to war for five rounds straight and they they would just keep going at it and sure there were some there were some parts of the fight where it slows down but overall, they just went at it, and they wouldn't back down for each other. I mean, Joanna was <laughs> messed up at the end of the fight. If you remember that swelling in her forehead, uh, it, it's not that dangerous. It just looks really, really grotesque. Um, but for for weeks on end, I mean, that swelling has to come down, and that basically means that her face uh, would have been black and blue. Uh, and Wei Li was the same thing. She was messed up. I mean, her face was swollen as well. These two ladies just showed so much heart and determination to not back down they both uh, wanted that title to be theirs and there's a lot of guys out there that can take uh, a page out of that book from these two ladies because it was exceptionally well fought fight technical at the same time huge huge respect for the kind of stamina that they both showed because that takes a lot of training to just have the kind of shape that you can last five rounds at that pace and then at the same time, when it gets tough, and they both had really tough moments, um, that you can still keep going. My hat's off to that. So, Wei Zhang versus Yuan Jacek, UFC 248 gets my award for best fight of the year. And I bring it to a close, guys. This is uh, the end of the episode. Um, I'm going to enjoy doing a lot more stuff in 2021 for both uh, the the breakdowns of the knockouts that I do and, and technical analysis and so on. If you've got ideas, um, best way to let me know is go to my Facebook page, links in the show notes, and then uh, hit me up with a private message there or a comment on uh, on, on one of the posts there. That way it's easy, it's easiest for me to, to track that and, and uh, keep a list of uh, questions you guys might have and suggestions, and I'll see what I can do. And in the meantime, the website's doing well. I finished that a little while ago, and hopefully that'll, uh, that'll be able to draw some attention as well. Uh, I'm really enjoying this. This is a lot of fun for me. Uh, it's um, 
it's always fun to see some of the reactions I get, especially on YouTube, guys. The kind of the kind of the reactions that some of the people give, the comments are, are just hilarious. I mean, I have so much fun reading some of the stuff there that that I sometimes wonder if people actually watch the fights before they comment or they just uh, read a headline somewhere or uh, see a, a reaction on Twitter and take their information for that. But I mean, by all means, and, and you know, keep them coming and, and um, have fun watching the videos and, and giving your thoughts on that. All right, I'm going to call it for this episode. So as always, if you want to support the show and my work here, uh, go to patreon.com forward slash MMA formula, links in the show notes. You can become a member there, a bunch of uh, unique content that is not available elsewhere and a lot more to come there too. All right, guys, that's it. Um, before I go, in these crazy times, in this pandemic, stay safe, keep yourself safe and healthy. Um, with a little bit of luck, in a few months, the worst will be past us and then we can all go training again, go to the gym, go to class, uh, as we all want to do. So um, here's a, a virtual toast to that. All right, guys, thanks, take care, and talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the MMA Formula Podcast. For more information, go to www.mmaformula.com.